I'm super excited this morning because uh, as Ashton mentioned a few moments ago, we just returned uh, last night from Harbor Church's first missions trip, everybody. That's something to celebrate. We're really excited about that. And um, when you're kind of in the process of planting a church, it's, it's fun to really celebrate all of the firsts. It's like when you're celebrating all the firsts with a child, they have their first steps and their first words. And, and this was really a significant, significant week for us as a church, I really believe, because we've said really since the beginning that we want to be a missional church. We want to be a church that goes and does what God asks us to do, that we actually take God's word uh, to the world around us. And we decided that we wanted to do that as early as we possibly could. And so we're nine months in as a church. We launched nine months ago and we took uh, a team of 10 people to Nicaragua this week. And it was really an incredible week. Billy was on the trip with us and, and it, was, it was great to have uh, Billy there because Billy is uh, one of the guys that kind of has gone first in everything with Harbor. Uh, he showed up to one of our first interest meetings at the Overton and just jumped right in. He was one of the first to join us in the living room when we started that phase of the church. He was one of the first to jump in and lead a team when we started that. And he was one of the first to sign up to go to Nicaragua with us. And And I love people who are willing to go first because going first requires that you figure some things out. Going first requires that sometimes you have to work through some stuff and you have to go through some, some harder seasons so that people behind you can have easier seasons. And so um, Billy has been one of those people that's, that's gone with us. And so I want to kind of highlight some of the stuff that we did, and then Billy's going to talk a little bit about his experience on the trip. But many of you know that um, when we go on these trips to Nicaragua, we build homes in uh, a barrio in Nicaragua that Kristen and I have had a relationship with now for about eight years. Um, we've been going there, and we've been building and and when we go, we partner closely with the local church in the community. And that's really important because we don't want to just go in and do some good things and then leave and have no lasting impression, no follow-up. And so we actually partner directly with a church that's located in this barrio, pastored by a couple named Carlos and Zulema. And they are an incredible, incredible couple. And, and they do all of the legwork on the front end. So they're actually the ones who decide uh, what families will get the houses built for them. They, they decide all of that. And a lot of the way they identify these families is through a feeding program that they do at the church. And this feeding program feeds kids three days a week, uh, feeds them breakfast and lunch. And the children that are involved in this feeding program, for many of them, those three days are the only days that they have food security for the entire week. Those are the only days that they eat other than what they're able to kind of find. Their, um, their neighborhood is basically built on a trash dump. And so you'll see as you're pulling into the barrio, there's people literally scavenging through the trash to find whether it's food or things to build shelter out of. It's really some of the roughest conditions that, that you could be exposed to. And so Pastor Carlos and Zulema, they identify families for us who are, who are of the greatest need. Often these are families that are single moms with young children. And uh, we go in and we build them a home in a day. It's basically a 12 by 12 shelter uh, made out of materials that can last uh, through the conditions in Nicaragua and the weather in Nicaragua. Most importantly, we put in a concrete floor for those homes um, that is really significant in that community because since it is built on a trash 
trash dump. And since most of the homes have a dirt floor, children are exposed to extremely, extremely unsanitary conditions. And so the death rate for infants is really high. And just having that concrete floor actually cuts the death rate in half for infants. It also prevents a lot of respiratory issues that a lot of kids will unfortunately die from as they get into the toddler phase. But specifically, infants are really vulnerable because they're down on the floor a lot. They're down on the ground a lot, and they're interacting with that. And so we go in and we build these homes. But as many of you may or may not know, uh, about a year ago, before we even launched, um, we had an opportunity to partner with a campus that the pastor we're connected with was planting in a neighboring barrio called Via Japon. And they were planting another church in that community. And I love their heart because they are some of the most uh, needy people that you could come in contact with. Their church does not have all the resources it has. It does not have all the things that it needs, but they're looking to the communities around them and saying, hey, at least we, we are better off than some of the communities around us in this way. And so we're gonna reach out and we're gonna plant in those communities which is really just an incredible vision and an incredible mindset. And so um, we actually partnered with Pastor Carlos and Zulema to help provide the land for that church plant to start on. And so as of now, they literally have like basically four poles and a roof that they're on um, where they meet, they gather as a church on that land in that community. And they've already kind of gone rogue on their own and started their own feeding program. And uh, they've started feeding kids in the community. They don't really have any support right now. They're just kind of doing it on their own when they can, as much as they can. And what, what we didn't even know when we went on the trip was that um, our partners on the ground over in Nicaragua had planned for us to actually build the first two homes in Via Japon where we purchased the land for the church, which was an incredible experience. We didn't even know it was going to be happening. And then when we got there, we didn't realize that the first home that we were actually building was on the church property for the pastor of that church. And so it was this incredible picture because this pastor was actually commuting from another barrio to reach um, people who, who needed Jesus, who needed a church, who didn't have a place. And he was commuting. He was essentially couch hopping out in this barrio and he was sleeping wherever he could sleep so that he could be in the community with those people. And now he has a home on the property of the church so that he can guard it, so that he can watch it. So that's definitely something we need to celebrate. It was incredible. And it was really kind of uh, surreal being out there, literally breaking ground on that land. And um, we have a, a lot of vision to continue partnering specifically with that uh, church plant. We want to continue to see them grow. We want to continue to see them be resourced because it's really an incredible opportunity in that community um, to continue to build on what we've been doing in the first barrio that we've been involved in. And I, I want you to know, I know Ashton mentioned some of this as well, but I want you to know that it, it's been your generosity that has provided for those homes to be built. Uh, we were a part of building six homes while we were there that we dedicated to families. That was incredible. Um, but beyond that, the funds that we took with us um, as part of kind of paying for the trip as individuals and, and, uh, and from our legacy offering earlier this year, um, we took with us funds to fund the feeding program for a full month, which is, uh, it's, it's close to a thousand meals, I believe, for the kids, three days a week, a couple hundred kids. So, um, so that is from your generosity. So just celebrate that this morning that you guys have been a part of that. 
Um, and we're seeing the impact of that in the community very strongly. Uh, we see a lot of parents who end up coming to the church and being introduced to Christ and, and getting saved because their children are a part of the feeding program, that because their children are there uh, getting fed and getting discipled, then the pa- parents end up and come to Christ. But I wanted to bring Billy up just to kind of uh, recap as someone who came on the trip. Um, I, I've been privileged to lead a lot of these trips, and so I always love hearing from someone who it's kind of their first time uh, going on the trip. And so, Billy, why don't you just tell us kind of some of the highlights of the trip for you um, as far as traveling and what that looked like? Yeah. Yeah, I like first, as Jordan mentioned. So this was my first uh, mission trip ever. And um, I'll start with one of the one of my, one of the funnier highlights. Um, I was uh, we were working with the local crew, which was huge. Um, one of the most impactful things for me was working with the local uh, builders and really following their lead. And so at first, when we were there the first day or two, they had us moving the block, um, mixing the cement, doing kind of the grunt labor, which is good for me because I'm not technically sound when it comes to building a house. Um, but they had us doing that kind of thing, and uh, at one point, it, I think it was the second or third day towards the end, uh, one of the builders, um, Javier, he hands me, uh, he just kind of looks at me and, and points a hammer in my direction, and so I just grabbed it, and he handed me a, a nail, and so, and then he, he just pointed to the, uh, the metal siding that we were putting up on the side of this uh, cement block and, and, and the wood frame, and uh, so I just I banged it in there, and I got done, and I handed it back to him, and he said, gringo bueno. <laughs> So that was fun. And that's a huge compliment that, because uh, <laughs> they usually don't let the gringos hammer the metal into the side of the building uh, because... I didn't the, mean uh, to brag. I didn't mean to brag, but, you know. The nails end up being, like, bent over and, sh- and shaped terribly, and they're, they'll drive them in in, like, two hits perfectly straight. So that's that was true. quite the compliment. There was, there was a lot of bent nails. Uh, we definitely Garrett. left our signature on that person. <laughs> to say Garrett. Yeah. Uh, but... Um, but no, one of the one of the big highlights for me, and I wasn't sure. There's so many. I wasn't sure what I was going to share until um, really uh, Jordan mentioned the property via Japon. Um, that was a surprise for us. We, we we knew we were going to Cristo Rey to do work, um, but then I think it was Than and Megan um, who who mentioned I don't know second day or something, second day or so that we have a surprise for you guys. We're going to go to via Japon and build the first. Two homes on the property that you guys <laughs> on the property that you guys have been funding, um, and and I I just thought back to two two years ago roughly when I met Jordan, and uh, there's just that's what's fun for me. That's why I go first a lot. Is I like the vision casting. I like being a part of that first foundation. I like to I like to dive in, and uh, I thought back to those times when. Jordan was sharing vision and casting out what our church was about and what we were going to do and the resources that we needed. And, uh, and there was a moment whenever I, uh, we were working on the first home on Via Hapon. Um, and I mean, it was just, I was so thankful just to be there to see, I actually got to, we were driving up on the property and it was, it hit like, you're driving up on the property that you've been funding for or helping fund for a couple years that you didn't know what it was. You're just all about being first. And so let's go, let's do this. Jesus is on the move. 
I don't know what it looks like. So you're rolling up on what it looks like. And, uh, and it was just amazing. And so we're building the first home and, uh, I don't know, we got pretty far into it. So I had a moment to step back in the shade and grab some water. And, uh, I was standing there just looking over the property of what we've been, uh, pouring into for a couple years and I'm in the shade and Jordan, uh, came over and joined me and he started casting, casting vision again. And it was just great to be next to my brother who, uh, I didn't know a couple years ago, and 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 just see what has come to fruition since we've uh, we've we've dove into this thing, and uh, so that was that was a really special moment. Um, and uh, whew, and um, I it was it, you know there's all the cliches like it, it it's humbling and, um, and and it is it's very humbling, um, and it kind of puts to shame what what we think we're doing here sometimes. Um, but Jordan was kind of sharing some things and uh, he was like, what do you think? And I said, I think I need to check my ego. <laughs> I think there's a lot of pride that uh, needs burned out and uh, I'm just praying for Holy Spirit to keep moving that way. And I just want to prophesy over this crowd that there's, there's dry bones that are going to come alive in here. And I say, if the I, I couldn't sleep last night, <laughs> and I was tired. Um, but um, the Lord just kept reminding me of when I had my first baptism in the Spirit, and and this was the closest thing to that. And He just kept saying, "There's fresh wind and fresh fire," but it's not just for you; it's for our congregation. It's for your hearts that are in here that I'm looking at right now. If you're feeling like dry bones, um, there's a fresh wind and fresh fire, and it's on missions. It's getting out there and seeing the global outreach that we're doing. Yeah, that's awesome. That's awesome. And I think part of what was humbling, I, I literally saw Billy like standing at the back of the property just smiling, and I was like, he's either not hydrated enough or he's really enjoying this moment but uh, i'm gonna go it was both i'm gonna go check on him um uh, but he was just kind of lost in the moment and it was incredible because uh what was so inspiring about these people at via hapone is we had never been there and when we rolled up on the property we expected to just see what we had seen which was a photo of the the shelter where they would do church and when we pulled up there were about a hundred kids there and um they were singing the songs that they sing at the program that we are used to going to in Casa del Rey. There's about a hundred kids there singing. And I saw smoke coming up from behind the shelter. I knew that they were cooking and, and I went back there and I said, um, I said, I, I didn't know they had a feeding program. And the pastor said, we, we don't really have a feeding program. We just have hungry kids. And, um, and he said, so when we have, when we have extra chicken and we have extra rice, we just cook and they see that it's cooking and they come. It's not that we have the resources to actually do this yet. And I think what I was so struck by was that they, in everything that they were doing on this extremely humble property, they weren't waiting for anybody else. They were doing what they could right then. They were doing what they could right then. And as soon as we got there uh, and we started building the pastor's wife pulled me aside and she literally walked me through the whole property. And she was saying, this is, this is where we're going to build a building. This is where we're going to have a building. And then when we build this building, we're actually going to turn the house that you're building into a kitchen and we're going to build another house back here. And she walked me around the entire property and the vision that they have for what they're doing, 
when, they're, when they have nothing right now, but the vision for where they know it's going was so inspiring yeah. and so incredible to see them literally walk the property and to see them literally lay out, this is what it's going to look like. This is what it's going to be. And, and that just... It's just a reminder that these are people that we want to continue to invest in. This is something that we want to continue to partner with yeah. because we know that constantly throughout the trip, that's always the theme of when we're with Carlos and Zulema, these pastors, is like if you ask them about anything, they're ready for it. They've yeah. already thought it through. They've already got the plan. They're not waiting on anybody else. They're ready to just kind of take the next step. And so I think that's what was continually inspiring the entire trip to be able to just really break ground on that land and see what they're doing. Yeah. Being able to break ground. I mean, we, that, that was the foundation, the first two foundations, literal foundations. I mean, if you need a prophetic word right there, it is, it's, it's the start. And and that was one theme that ran throughout. That was a super highlight for me was it was like, the Lord was showing us that for a thousand generations, he's going to bless those that are, that are faithful to him and to his church. It was like the, Pastor Carlos would literally pray for who was going to get a home. And I, I noticed that at least a couple times uh, it was, oh, they're like a key member of our church that is just like all in and just like pouring in. And so we're going to build them a house. And there was even one couple, I, I wasn't going to share this. Uh, there was one couple that um, mentioned that she was raised Catholic. That hit with me because I was raised Catholic. And uh, but she came to know Jesus in this this uh, this church um, in Cristo Rey. And so, um, you know, she was kind of sharing her background and how she came to faith and how she's on fire for the Lord. And I went up to we, we dedicated the home. We prayed over everything, prayed over the family. And I went up and I grabbed our translator, Alex, who's awesome. And uh, I said, hey, man, can you translate this for me? And I, I told him that I was also raised Catholic, but I know that in God's word, it says he blesses to the thousandth generation. So I, I let them know that like those two houses or her house that we're building right now is going to bless a thousand generations. Like the theme that ran throughout was this is a light, like this house right here is now a light that is just going to just spread throughout that whole place, which is why I think it, for me, one of the big takeaways was it's huge to continue the relationship. It was like we're building homes, but what was more important is the building of relationships. Like Jordan mentioned, they've been there for eight years. Like I can't wait for eight years from now to see all the people that I met and just keep pouring in that community and see it grow. And I know God's going to do that. Yeah, that's going to be incredible. Um, were there, what, what was something that maybe surprised you about the trip, whether it be the conditions or um, the just what, what was something you weren't expecting that you felt like really just hit you in a significant way? I don't. One thing that hit me that I didn't expect, um, two things. I, I mean, I've been on fire for the Lord since I got saved, and, and I thought just serving here and, and doing my thing here, but there's so much more that God can use you for. And so it was just like that moment when we were uh, posted up by the property looking out over it and just like, nope, I still think way too highly of myself. Like this, there is... Um, there's more that God wants to use you for, and he wants you to step aside and move through you. He wants to pour, the, he wants you to be an empty vessel. I mean, empty and just, and just uh, really be able to do the work through you. Like, I'm not the builder, kind of like you shared in pre-team. Like, we're not the builders, he's the builder. He's just using us. I mean, that it just hit in a different way, like I didn't expect. Um, the second thing was when I got home, 
I literally walked into my house. I was sharing this with me. I walked into my house and I went to Jen and I was like, oh, you got a new clock. That, that's a new clock on the wall. And she was like, nope, that's been there for a long time. <laughs> and I was like, man, our house looks beautiful. I mean, it, it literally looked like a different house to me. So that was, it sounds cliche probably, but it was like, it was like stepping into a different place and it was my home. Um, and then maybe just lastly, was there anything, that, it, it being your first trip, um, what, what did you see though about uh, kind of the lasting relationship? What did you see where, where our ongoing relationship, our returning to that place either yeah. was significant or you see how it can be significant? Because that's one of the main things that, that we kind of believe in about these trips is that we return to the same place because we build relationships with those people in that community. Um, and we experience life with them in different ways. And we actually know these people. We're in their lives. We're returning, and it's a joy to do that. Yeah. Did you see that at all on the trip? Yeah, yeah. I, I, didn't, I, I didn't know exactly what to expect. I thought we were going to be there building a, a home, you know, a couple homes a day, and there would be, like, a couple local workers. But they have a committed crew that are, like, day in, day out brothers and sisters. And we just jumped right in and became – their brothers and sisters. I mean, it was really like, oh, this isn't like we're just going to go back every year and maybe see a couple of the same people. It's like, I can't wait. I can't wait to see you. Yeah. It's like, it's like, yeah, the relationships were what it was all about. Like, and not only with the locals, I mean, especially with the locals, like I can't wait to see those people again and, and do more work with them and reach that community with them uh, and have Pastor Carlos prophesy over me again. But, uh, but uh, um, I can't wait to go do it again with my brothers and sisters here that were with us. Like Garrett, Miro, and I just, I mean, we've been together for a couple years, but it feels like it's fresh wind. It's just a fresh wind, a fresh fire. It's just, it's, it's just if you want to be plugged into Harbor and what Harbor's doing, go on a mission with us. I love it. Well, you guys thank Billy. Thanks, man. Appreciate that. Uh, you can leave them. You can leave them. So I just, I just want to share for just a few moments, kind of continuing on that same theme, because um, there are some things that we've seen about that church in Nicaragua of why I believe that God is blessing what they're doing so much. And when you spend time there, it's incredible because we return every year. And there was a season kind of before COVID and all that where Kristen and I were returning usually twice a year, about every six months. And I was reflecting back on our trips there, uh, as you kind of do. And, and this was the first time uh, since about 2014 where there had been any significant amount of time since we had been there. It was usually about every six to eight months we would be there for at least a few days, definitely once a year. But because of COVID and everything, this was the, this was the first time. It had been about two and a half years since we had been. And when we walked into uh, the sanctuary of the church that's kind of the home church there in Casa del Rey that's planting these other churches, um, we were, it just looked different to me. Uh, it looked significantly different. It looked bigger. It looked better. It looked like it had improved so much. And what I realized was that the first trip that I went, literally the first trip that I went, the, the roof had been put on and about three quarters of the walls were up, but it wasn't all the way built up. And, and the floor was, was concrete, but it wasn't tiled. And now the, the building is complete. The, the roofs or the, the walls go all the way to the roof. The floor is tile. It's beautiful. They've put in a, a baptism on all these different things. But what I realized was that 
Pastor Carlos uh, is constantly taking a little bit of ground. He's constantly taking a little bit of ground. He's constantly looking at what he can do just a little bit better. And it reminds me in Exodus chapter 23, uh, where God is talking about preparing the way for the children of Israel. And beginning in verse 20, he says, See, I'm sending an angel ahead of you to guard you along the way and to bring you to the place I have prepared. Pay Pay attention to him and listen to what he says. Do not rebel against him. He will not forgive your rebellion since my name is in him. If you listen Listen carefully to what he says and do all that I say. I will be an enemy to your enemies and oppose those who oppose you. My angel will go ahead of you and bring you into the land of the Amorites, Hittites, Perizzites, Canaanites, Canaanites, Hivites, and Jebusites, and I will wipe them out. Do not bow down before their gods or worship them or follow their practices. You must demolish them and break their sacred stones to pieces. Worship the Lord your God and his blessing will be on your food and your water, and I will take away sickness from among you. None of you will be barren in your land. I will give you a full lifespan. I will send my terror ahead of you and throw into confusion every nation you encounter. I will make all your enemies turn their backs and run. I will send the hornet ahead of you and drive out the Hivites, Canaanites, and Hittites, but I will not drive them out in a single year because the land would become too desolate and the wild animals too numerous for you. Little by little, I will drive them out before you until you have increased enough to take possession of the land. And what I love about these verses is what God is saying is that the victory is sure. The victory is certain, but the timeline is not. The victory is certain, but the timeline is not. We had this uh, funny thing a couple weeks ago where we had a, a bunch of people over from the church and we decided kind of last minute to order some pizza. So I ordered pizzas from the Pizza Hut that was close to my house and they said it would be ready in 15 minutes. And I had my doubts because it was a lot of food. But about 20 minutes later, we headed up there. We went in there and man, 10 minutes went by, 15 minutes went by, 20 minutes went by. We're standing in there and it's not ready. It's not ready. And it turns out they're waiting on this one pizza to to come out of the oven. And there's this like young guy back there somehow in this like blazing hot kitchen. He's wearing a hoodie and he's the one that's pulling all of the pizzas out of the oven. And literally while we're standing there, the manager walks back to him and he says, I hate to tell you this, but I don't think this is the job for you. And I'm like, am I about to see someone get fired here? And he was like, this here is a hustling job. This is a hustling job. And and this kid's just moving super slow. And so I'm standing there and I'm waiting and I'm waiting and I'm waiting for this pizza to get done and it never gets done. And so finally, I literally just turned around and walked out and I left And I got some of the pizzas, but I did not get all of the pizzas. And I wonder, though, how often we turn back and walk away from things God has for us because they're taking longer than we expected. I wonder how long we walk away from things that God has for us. See, Pastor Carlos, every time we walk through his building, he loves to point out the smallest little change, the smallest little difference. And he always says the same thing. He says, poca a poca, little by little. He points to it and he says, little by little. And see, what I think we have to realize is that, is that God often grows us little by little. 
that we're looking for these giant steps of change, but God grows us little by little. See, I love in these verses that the question is never, can God handle the enemies that are ahead of them? The question is never, can God handle the struggles that they will come up against? The question is never, is the vision too big for God? The question is, are you big enough to handle it? That, that as God grows you little by little, are you big enough? See, I think often we prioritize what we want to accomplish more than who we need to become. We, we, we prioritize what we want to accomplish more than who we need to become. In Luke chapter 10, verse 20, Jesus is, is talking about how he's giving all of the power to his disciples, all of the authority to his disciples. He says that, that when you speak, spirits will move, that if people are tormented, that they will be set free. But then he says this in Luke 10, verse 20, he says, however, do not rejoice that the spirits submit to you. Rejoice that your names are written in heaven. In other words, don't rejoice over what I'm giving you the power to do. Rejoice over your relationship with me. Don't rejoice over your accomplishments. Rejoice over your relationships. And I just wonder sometimes if we value our relationship with God enough to invest in it. If we value our relationship with God higher than the things we want to do for God. Because what happens is when you begin to uh, value the things that you want to accomplish over who you want to become, that's when you start to go too fast. That's when you start to move too quick because you're trying to count accomplishments and you're not growing in the areas that God has called you to grow in. And it's funny because when, when you travel on trips like this, when you go on missions trips like this, there are generally two types of people who get sick on the trips. It's the people who eat something they're not supposed to eat and the people that don't eat at all. There, there are some people who go on these trips and they're like, I'm just gonna try everything and I'm gonna buy you know, meat from a street vendor and then they think it's delicious and then the next day they're laid out sick and they have no idea why, even though you told them not to eat it, they ate it anyway. But then there's another group of people that they're, they're too scared to eat anything. And so they find themselves too weak to actually do the work that they're supposed to be doing. And there was this moment when we were on the job site this week where there was this little kid, and I actually thought it was a little girl all day, and it reminded me so much of my daughter, Olivia. Kind of had just this little, like, real quirky personality, curly hair, about her size, but I found out later in the day that it was actually a little boy, and he was running around. He was just the cutest thing, and I was picking him up, and I was playing with him, and finally, I looked at him, and I said, how old are, are you? Quantos años? And he said, he said, cinco, and I was like, Cinco. My daughter, Olivia, whose size he was almost exactly is two years old. And I said, Cinco? Like, surely he was wrong. And he said, Cinco. And I said, Cinco? And his little brother who was down next to him said, Fife. <laughs> like, like, what's wrong with you? Why do you keep asking him his age? <laughs> and I said, okay, he's five. But then I began to notice about this child that he was obviously much smaller than he needed to be for his age, but also he, he looked like he had highlights in his hair. He looked like he had streaks of blonde in his hair. And in this community, that's really, really common to see kids with either white hair or hair that looks like it's highlighted. And it's a sign of malnutrition. It means that they're not getting the nutrients that they need. It means that they're not getting fed. And I just had this kind of thought that I shared with our team later that day, which was all day, I thought this kid's size and his little personality and how small he was, all day I thought it was cute until I found out that he was five 
and then I thought it was concerning. And I thought about my own life and how I've been following Jesus now for 30 years. But when I think about the fruit of the Spirit that should be evident in my life after following Jesus for 30 years, I know that there are areas where I'm actually less like 30 and I'm more like 13. And honestly, this might sound a little harsh, but I wonder if there's times where God looks at our growth and where we're at, and it's no longer cute, it's concerning. The fact that we're not growing is concerning. And even just a few weeks back at our own church, we had someone that came up afterwards that was asking some really elementary questions about the Bible and wondering some really elementary things. They didn't understand some things that had been said. And I was super encouraged by this because I love it when people are learning and growing and they're starting from scratch and they're new to the faith. And so I thought that was great. But if Billy, who has been with us for a long time, been following Jesus for a long time, been leading teams, been leading groups, if he were to come up and start asking really elementary questions about the Bible and about faith, that would be concerning. That would not be encouraging. That would be concerning. And in Hebrews chapter 5, verse 11 through 14, it says, we have much to say about this, but it's hard to make it clear to you because you no longer try to understand. In fact, though by this time you should be teachers, you need someone to teach you the elementary truths of God's word all over again. You need milk, not solid food. Anyone who lives on milk, being still an infant, is not acquainted with the teaching about righteousness, but solid food is for the mature who by constant use have trained themselves to distinguish good from evil. And as I was kind of thinking about this young boy when we went back to our hotel at the end of the night, I, I literally just Googled signs of malnutrition because I knew that there were probably other ones that were evidence in his life that I was unaware of. And, and as I began to read this list of the effects of physical malnutrition, I thought these are the same things that happen to us spiritually when we're spiritually malnourished. These are the same things that happen to us spiritually when we're not growing in Christ. It says when you're, mal, when you're malnourished, you don't grow at the expected rate. You're irritable and slow to respond when spoken to. Anxious reduced appetite, lack of interest in food or drink, tired, weak, wounds take longer to heal, and depressed. And I wonder for how many of us, are those evidence in our lives because of our spiritual malnutrition? How many of us have wounds that should have been healed a long time ago? but they're taking a long time to heal. How many of us are tired and weak? How many of us are slow to respond when God speaks to us? See, the truth is we're, none of us are physically malnourished because we have no excuse to be. We have readily available access to food. And we not only have access to food, we have options when it comes to food. Not, when we get hungry, it's not just a matter of if we are going to eat, it's a matter of what we want to eat. But what I think we don't realize sometimes is that we have no excuse to be spiritually malnourished, that we have access to the word of God, that we have access to the word that he wants to feed us, that we even have options of how we can take it. We have our Bibles, we have our apps on our phones, we have emails that we can receive to our inbox. There is no excuse for us to be spiritually malnourished. But I was encouraged when I read what does it look like to recover from being malnourished? And literally, it said, the way to recover from being malnourished is little by little. That you should eat little and often. 
That, that actually, if you want to nourish yourself at a time where you're malnourished, it's not about going and eating a massive meal. It's about slowly bringing the nutrients back to your life. And see, I think sometimes we get discouraged in our faith because we think we have to go out and eat this giant meal. We think, oh man, I, I'm, I'm slacking in my relationship with God. I'm behind in my Bible reading and whatever. I need to up it. I need to read the Bible in 30 days. I need to read the Bible this week in its entirety, whatever it might be. When the truth is you need to just get on a steady diet of being nourished by the word of God. And that's what I want to encourage you in today is that just because growth is incremental doesn't mean it's insignificant. That you can see huge growth by taking small steps day by day by day. Would you bow your heads with me this morning?